0: It's easy to hear things and then forget, but to, to really learn things. And as we, we get into the book of Galatians, the, the theme, the deep theme, and I, I, I know you've heard it, I want you to learn it. And the idea that God wants your heart set free. And to look at that, what that means, uh, we've been about five months now on six chapters uh, trying to understand. and And I'm so tickled because if you... If you 've been with me in thinking about this book of galatians uh, it 's going to open up the way you see the rest of the New Testament because Galatians has been uh, rich in terms of understanding Paul, and as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, as we will do uh, next year. But as you read through the New Testament and those seven cities, the Gentile cities, you now have some categories, a way of thinking about Paul. Ministering to people, helping people grow, and uh, it, so I'm tickled for that. But, but as a teacher, you know the what happens in school is you study a unit of history or you, you do some math problems, and, and then after you study, what happens? Well, you get the test. Well, next week you get the test, and next week you're going to be tested. Uh, uh, in the service because we're going to have a different kind of service next week, and the, it's not not just test. It's about the testimonies, and so what we're going to do is we're going to take a special time to think about the book of Galatians, and what we're going to have is half the service will be dedicated for you to testify or to, to give your testimony of 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 what this book has done for you and how God has used this material. So I'm not going to move on until I hear from you. So I want you to go back, and this week we're going to go uh, into some of the book again, and we're going to finish the book this week. But next week I want you to come and share in a short one or two sentences or maybe more, but I want you to share with the rest of the body. To answer the question, so what? So you've read Galatians, so what? What difference does it make? What difference has it made? And what difference do you want it to make when you go into this book? And then I'm going to take the rest of the time to share with what Paul learned. Because there are some things in this passage that you'll see, uh, things in the book of Galatians that you'll see that Paul has learned through this ordeal with the Judaizers. He's going to transfer out elsewhere. But that 'll be next week, so so go back and reread and highlight chapter by chapter what what are the key points that you remember and what are the really salient points that really penetrated your heart? Paul was called the apostle of the heart set free. His heart was set free. is yours, and if it isn 't what 's blocking your heart? But as you get into this study as we look at Paul I would like to have you think about sitting under Paul as he were your pastor as he were your discipler but his model of life is to be our model. We follow what he understood. By walking with Paul in this journey uh, you should be different. You should not be the same person coming into this book as you were leaving this book. But if you are not a reader, and some people aren't readers, uh, it doesn't mean that the reality isn't true for you. So to quote this theologian uh, scholar, Will Rogers, well, maybe he wasn't a theologian, uh, he said, uh, a man only learns by two things. One is reading, and the other is a, is association with smarter people. And so... <laughs> So if you walk together, you're going to learn from each other. And this is what Paul wanted us to do. Uh, There is a Russian proverb, and I can't say it. I say, Dobrydzin, Dobryvechur, Dobry. I can't say this one. But it says, as the call, so the echo. Nice little pithy way of saying that uh, the translation, uh, as you hear and you respond, another way of translating is this is, as you are to the people, so the people are to you. Paul would say it this way, kind of, well, not a direct translation. He says, you reap what you sow. Okay. The Spirit calls us and we echo the call. And so as you think about... Uh, what Paul does in the book of Galatia. There are two different groups going two different directions. In this group, there are two different gospels or two different identities or two different spiritualities. And Paul says, who you're going to associate with, who you walk with, should really affect how you live your life. As the proverb says, uh, you walk with the wise and you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And the people that you walk with directly influence you. And you directly influence those who you walk with. You either pull people up or you pull people down. There's something going on. You just, you're not neutral. You're just not a silo with two feet walking around and bumping into other silos. We're a society. And so in the book of Galatians... Uh, Paul was very much aware of the influence that the Judaizers were having on the young believers. But the point of Galatians, just to, to point out, is that Paul is very, very clear. It's not the externals that mark you, that identify you. It's not going through the motions. It's not being involved in a civil religion or being a good person. That's there are so many religions that would challenge Christianity. If I was in Sri Lanka, I know some, some Buddhists that would shame Christians because they have such a good spirit. And there are a lot of good people out there in the sense that they, they do a lot of good things. So to respect and honor all people is one thing. But one thing that you can't understand is what's on the human Heart. What's inside the human heart? And so Jesus was very much aware of this. And Jesus wasn't interested in the externals. He didn't want pretense. And he said, be aware that from within, out of the heart of man, the heart speaks. And From the heart of man proceed all the evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And all these things come from within. Christ was focused on the inside man, not the outside man. He would also say, in contrast to that fleshly spirit, that those who have the spirit of Christ in them, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, from within, rivers of living water will flow. That idea that the inner man is where you really live and think and breathe and But in that inner man, you think, I can do this without God, or I can do this in a way that I can get by. But Jesus again warns, last week we said that whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Christ is speaking to the heart. And he's also speaking to that external part, because Jesus wasn't just here to to talk about here's the rules, here's the religious rules, you've got to keep the rules. That's what the Pharisees and the Judaizers were saying. You've got to be circumcised. And Jesus and Paul said, no, no, it's not about the externals. It's this new creation. Jesus did not eliminate the law. But now through his spirit, he enables us to fulfill that law from the inside out. He did not come to remove the law. But to fulfill it so that we would be set free from that curse of the law and set free to follow the Spirit. And therefore we come to the end of this book with this group of Judaizers who are influencing the believers, and the believers have to make a decision which way they're going to go. Are they going to follow these guys? And they could be great friends, but they're misleading. They're Judaizers, and they're walking according to the flesh. And Paul would say, well, there's another. It's not, don't follow me, because it's not about Paul, it's about Christ. And so he was trying to say, follow Jesus, and you follow the Spirit. And that's what he was was trying to do. So as we end the book, I just want to touch on these last passages with three points. So final comments about Paul's concern. We're going to look at the contrasting between these two groups again—the mentors that they were following and the call to be, the call to New Testament spirituality, bearing the marks of Christ. And so, as I began, as I thought back through, uh, even thinking about the work that Paul was doing, he says, he says, "Look," in uh, Galatians six. He says, look, verse 11, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. He is personally putting his stamp on this letter. Some people say he had trouble writing. Some people say he had trouble seeing, so he would use a clerk or secretary or uh, uh, an amanuensis, how you pronounce that word? Somebody would write for him, but he wrote the letter, then at the end he would sign this Signatures, John Hancock. As I thought about this, you know, Paul was really concerned that he was trying to say to the Galatians, um, "I, I want to write this to you personally." But it wasn't about Paul personally. But it was about Paul. But he wasn't in a defensive mode. And if you hear some people read the commentaries, they say, "Well, Paul was trying to defend." Himself defend his apostleship, and I don't think so. I don't think Paul really was preoccupied with his defense. So I asked the question: Is Paul defending himself? Is Paul trying to persuade or sell himself? I don't think so. What I thought was, instead of defending, I think Paul is declaring. What you understand or argue it would make a difference to Paul. Paul is making a statement. And that statement is, he is not a man pleaser. He was sent by God. He has an apostleship. It was God that called him. And very clearly, um, he contrasts himself. He starts the book, doesn't he? He says, remember, <clears throat> he says uh, in Galatians 1.10, I'm not a man pleaser. That if these guys come and preach a different gospel, they're going to be accursed. And so he says, I'm not trying to please you guys. I'm trying to please only Christ. And so he's not a man pleaser. So he ends the same way that he says, I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm declaring to you, there there is one who sent me. And there is a gospel that is his message. So I don't think he's defending anything. He's declaring, and he's personally trying to ensure that they pay attention. So here, look at this. I'm writing you this with my own hands. And he's... uh, Not defending the gospel, he's declaring the gospel. He says, this is the message, period. What you do with it is your issue, but he's not defending it. He's just putting it out there. And uh, Paul is not defending the gospel, but he did explain it so that people would understand. He does more so in the book of Galatians, and he does more so as you go into Colossians and Ephesians and elsewhere. But he starts here with Galatians, with This idea. For Paul, the point is to follow the freedom to follow the Spirit, it means that there's only one audience. There's only one audience. That's Jesus. Paul was so caught up with the call of Christ and Christ's call on his life that he no longer was a man pleaser. And so he would say to the Ephesians, Slaves, you be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh in the sincerity of your heart as you would be to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the inside, from the heart. Same for the masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In First Thess 2, he says, "As we've been approved by God and we've been entrusted by Him to, to with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines the heart." And as Paul would go on, he says, "We don't try to flatter you. We don't try to impress you. We're not trying to persuade. You. It's not about us winning you over to our side. As you know, we don't come with a pretext for greed." And Jesus would say the same thing. I don't seek honor from men. What you think about me really doesn't make a difference. On the bigger scale, what he thinks about me makes a big difference. And so I have an audience of one. I will declare what he wants me to declare. I will be who he wants me to be. And so Paul wasn't defending himself. He was declaring who he was. Now here's a new word for you. For those who want to have your vocabulary increase. this is... The, you want to consider, consider, the word consider is the word. The root of this word, desideratum, desideratum. It's an interesting word, but it's an interesting word because it talks about the desire, and we talked about that two weeks ago, about the desires of the Holy Spirit, the desideratum, is what you want at the essence, at the core. When you consider something, you consider what you want. You consider the core desires. This has to do with the passions. This has to do with the unfulfilled longings, what touches the inside heart in such a way that you understand what really governs the human heart. And so the word uh, desideratum has to do with that which energizes and motivates you and, and pulls you out. It's used in English. It's like, well, trout fishing was his desideratum. The focus of creating the perfect fun Halloween party for the joy of the kids was mom and dad's des- desideratum. The idea that there's something that's really moving you and, and, and asking you to that will... You, 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 you'll just follow those impulses of your heart. Well, here was the question last couple of weeks. If you can answer this question, what was the Holy Spirit's desideratum for you? For the Galatians? For us here in Chesterland Baptist? And now I ask you the question, what do you think my desire, my desideratum is for you? Why am I here? Why are you here? What do you desire here at the church? What do you desire to see God do in your life? This is what Paul is. And thinking about what is your desideratum for this lovely bride of Christ. It's going to pull you in as Paul is thinking about, he's concerned about what God is doing in the Galatians. So let's move into this. Paul's concern, Paul's concern is not the externals. Paul's concern is not whether you get circumcised. Paul's concern is that are you a new creation? If you have this affection for the Holy Spirit and you know the life in Christ, that you come alive in Christ, that's Paul's concern. And so he says, I'm laboring, I'm laboring until Christ is formed in you. Church, understand. That as a pastor, one of the things that I desire deeply, I pray for, is that Christ would be formed in you. That your love for Jesus Christ would be authentic and real. That, that, that the confusion or the doubts or the fears or, or any hang-ups that you would have that would block your understanding of this wonderful God that calls you, you're missing out until Christ is formed in you. And my job, pastors' job, is to equip the saints for the work of service, for the building up of, of people who love Christ and people who love others. The passion that Paul wanted, he says, I present every man, proclaiming Christ to every man, so that every man would be complete. Whatever you need to know, Christ, whether it's faith or hope or or love, or if you have a sense of wisdom or, or a sense of questions and doubt, all those are laid aside because the Spirit of God wants to free you from the flesh so that you don't lose your life, but you find it. He really is concerned about that, and so he's going to fight these Judaizers who are stealing the show. He's influencing these people. and the, So the echo, so the call. So the call, so the echo. And these guys are leading them astray. But the point for Paul was, I want you to get back to the authentic person of Christ. Now, the National Gallery of Art bought a forgery. It wasn't the Mona Lisa, it was another one. But the idea that there are forgeries and you will be duped if you follow the forgery. And the forgery that Paul... Uh, get up there. The forgeries you could you could buy a, a, a false print of the Mona Lisa, and that print would hang, and nobody would know the difference, except the artist would. Paul, uh, and so with Christ. Christ would know if you're genuine, you're authentic, or not. Whether you think I am or not doesn't make a difference. Christ knows if you are truly a believer. Christ knows if you're truly or not a believer. You can't fool Jesus. And he'll say, I never knew you. You did all these things, but you're not mine. Paul says, I don't want you to be misled into a forgery of the gospel. So don't buy into that. You know how they do that at the U.S. Mint? To train somebody in the US mint, they give the original plates. And for thirty days they're locked in a room for eight hours a day and they study those plates. And they give them they're given one test and they give a a test of a dollar bill. The question is, is this true or is this a forgery? By studying the original, they know studying the original so well they pick up on the forgeries. Well that's the same for us. So Paul is saying, I want you to find, is don't follow these guys that are forgers. But I want you to find the freedom in Christ. And here are, the, here are the marks. Here are the things that will mark you as a true believer. Here are the things that Paul wants the Galatians to understand, that I want you to understand, that these are the things that, that are for us. And First of all, as Paul says, you're no longer a man pleaser, you're a God-oriented man. And being God-oriented, it means you're not governed by what people think. You are not trying to please people because that puts you in bondage. From one person, one group to another culture, you always are trying to appease and they become a master that you can never be free from. Once Christ is your security, once you're free, you'll know that. Two, he understands that the gospel is non-negotiable. You don't want forgeries, and so you stand on and you live by that one gospel that Christ came to introduce. Three, he knows that everyone becomes a member of God's family and is accepted by faith alone. Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised. Religious, -religious, non-religious. Mafia, prisoner, name it. It doesn't make a difference what you have done. It makes a difference who you know and if you are involved by faith with him. Very clearly, Paul says, this is the son of Hagar. This is the son of of Abraham, Sarah's wife by promise. For this faith brings freedom and this freedom shifts my focus off of self-serving flesh onto a loving spirit. It means there's a shift in the human heart. And that heart has to be sensitized and discipled to hear and respond to the Holy Spirit. Difficult, difficult for some, unusual, maybe hard, but that's why the church is here. But we reorient our lives to the future kingdom that's broken into my heart and now given me a taste of heaven. And I say goodbye to the flesh. I say goodbye to the Judaizers. I say goodbye to those things. And I identify with Christ. I publicly mark myself and people know that I am a Christian. Not because I'm better than anybody. Not because of I've got my doctrine figured out. Not because I've intellectually figured out. that. No, no. It's simply that uh, Jesus loves me. And somehow he's invite somehow I, I get in i don 't know why why he wants me, but he does why he wants you, but he does and therefore, to contrast these two kinds of of people uh, Paul says that these guys uh those who want to impress people by means of the flesh, they're trying to get you onto their side. They're inviting you into their party line. They're trying to be propagandists who want to glory in the fact that they've won you over. It's about winning. And for them, they get credit. They use you. They get, uh, if the church gets bigger because there's more numbers, it makes me look good. If that's my motivation, then that's of the flesh. But these guys were trying to get them. So, Paul says, they wouldn't be persecuted. They don't have the courage or the conviction to stand up for the gospel. And therefore, they don't want people to think badly about them because they don't want to follow this one who was hung on a horrific cross as Messiah who was crucified. For the last 2,000 years, we don't get this because we have sacramentalized and romanticized the cross. Not Paul. Back then it was like wearing a guillotine. There was a torture chamber. Christ was murdered. This is not one of honor. It was ignoble and Christ would stand up for those who rejected him because Christ because Paul knew that it wasn't the cross it was the Christ on that cross and that's what caught Paul up why would Jesus give his life for you why would he give his life for me and Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I will stand up with this one who's been rejected by men, but I know he was resurrected by the Holy Spirit. I'm with him. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, who loved me. And, and, and I'm not going to nullify what he did because I want to please you with that Messiah. He's, he's a... And so these guys said, I don't want anything to do with that cross. I don't want anything to do with that Messiah. He's a deceiver. And they did. But to be set up and brought in and duped for somebody else's personal gain, manipulated. So Paul contrasts these two. But as we come to the end of this passage, we want to notice that but Paul says, I never boast except in the cross. And through that cross, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If you are crucified and your nails are in the wood, it means several things. It means you can't move and you stand in that same position known as being crucified too. You can only face one direction. And that's this way. If you can't, you're crucified. And if you are crucified, you are at street level where everybody who passes by sees you. If you've been crucified, you have been cut off from the world and you move into death. And you move into Resurrection. And Paul says, the new life in Christ for me, I'm a crucified man. I no longer belong to that world. I no longer try to please that world. That world no longer cares about me because I don't follow them. I want to have one audience. One audience. And for Paul, he says, those who follow this relationship, this principle, you will find two things true There will be a peace in your heart, a deep, deep peace, because you know Christ alone gives you the peace that your heart on the inside really wants. You will be embraced by Jesus Christ. What else do you need? And in that embrace, you'll find mercy. If you're walking with Christ, O Galatians, if you're walking with Christ, O believers, if you follow this, to the true Israel. For those who know from now on, I'm done, I'm settled. You don't have to raise this issue again. Here's where I stand, Paul says. And the grace of the Lord be with your spirit. He ends this passage again, the end of the passage. Dear brothers and sisters, all of those who call upon Christ, Jew and Gentile, they are all brought into the sonship by adoption. All we come for that same cross, that same Messiah. We all have the grace of Christ. And for that, Paul concludes the book by saying, Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So to to summarize the book of Galatians, here's what we've just gone through. You follow that Paul is called... And Paul's commission: uh, he's going to be really pulled out of the old Paul and into the new Paul. Chapter two: You find Paul learning to go through this period of, of going through the wilderness and back to Saudi Arabia back to um, Mount Sinai uh, to get his convictions. Paul was a man of conviction. He wasn't a man of, of just the culture, but he understood that the kingdom had broken into his heart. And he was a new creation. He was addressing this confusion that they were being caught up in in chapter 3, that somebody bewitched you. But when the Spirit of God comes, it makes your eyes clear. You can see. But in chapter 4, Paul says, if you belong to Christ, by faith, you are now a member of the family. Jew, Gentile, Gentile. Free woman, slave, doesn't make a difference. You are now sisters and now brothers. It's a new, new kingdom. But he ends with chapter 5, but there's a call to spiritual freedom. Not to serve the flesh, but to die to the flesh and live in the spirit. And that call, that call would mean that you have to use care and be gentle as you work with people. You have to use caution when you're trying to correct somebody who's of a different persuasion. But all of this is to say for Paul that the book of Galatians to summarize is he wants your heart set free. This is the deseratum of the Holy Spirit. Is that your experience? Christian, as we go through this, as we think about this, as we conclude this chapter... Uh, What Jesus said again, whoever believes in me from within shall flow those rivers of living water. There's life coming through you. And as we come next week, as we conclude this book, I just want you to go back and think, what is here that isn't here? Or what needs to be here? How does the Spirit of God get me here? here as as i need to learn things i need to settle things i need to understand things that the spirit of god wants to do inside me well that's the book of galatians freedom is your call brother freedom is your call sister freedom to love freedom to love christ freedom to love others but you really are free to walk in grace